Well, it's August the 27th, 2011, and Christian Student Fellowship, the University of Kentucky, was hosting what they called the world's largest water balloon fight. Now, what you need to know about CSF, as they're commonly referred to, they host numerous events during the beginning of the fall semester so that they can kind of get their name out there, meet lots of students, have that kind of engagement, let people know that they're on campus. And the world's largest water balloon fight, from a PR standpoint, was a massive success. It really was. Co-eds all across campus became familiar with Christian Student Fellowship. For this event to be successful, though, it, it required maximum participation, and they got it. 8,957 people participated. It was covered by local news, national news, as well as the Guinness Book of World Records recognized it as the largest water balloon fight ever. But more importantly, thousands of students were made familiar. They got an introduction. They became aware of Christian Student Fellowship. And this gave CSF an opportunity over the course of the next semester to introduce a lot of these students to Jesus for the very first time. When everyone joins together, we multiply our efforts and our influence, and we can make a much greater impact than we could ever accomplish alone. That's the idea behind this whole series, The Big Splash. The Big Splash is, is defined as making a significant difference in another person's life or a group of people. This might mean that you meet a need in a person's life or you fix a problem or you just do something that blesses them. And during this series, we've been talking about two different types of big splashes. The first one is what we call a personal big splash. And that's where you do something to make a significant difference in another person's life or maybe a group of people's lives. And I got an email this morning, and it just, it just it reminds me of that when somebody puts their mind to something and God is with them, the difference they can make. We had a fifth grader up in the rock. She's up there right now. And she decided, her big splash, and her mom sent me the, the story. This, I got it this morning. sent it yesterday, I think. She had a, her big splash was she wanted to have her birthday party, which was yesterday, instead of her friends bringing gifts, that they would bring money for this orphanage in Liberia, Africa. And she's bringing $167 of her birthday money that she is bouncing to an orphanage in Africa. Is that cool or what? Yeah. So... Continue the personal big splash. I want to challenge everybody to do that and take a minute to, to send me your big splash story, just a couple lines of what you did to make a big splash and then how it was received. You can send it to notes to Monty at nccleX.org. But the second, the second type of big splash is what we call the Northeast big splash. And this is when we all link arms together. We can make a huge splash together. And we've decided this year we're partnering, as Josh mentioned in the opening, we're partnering with Psalm 82.3 to help facilitate a brand new orphanage that's being built right now. They just broke ground a couple weeks ago 
in Liberia, Africa. And this orphanage is going to facilitate uh, the needs of 60 orphans that presently don't have that. And as Josh mentioned, we're over 70%, I think about 71%. Uh, committed. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not part of it or you think, hey, I can do a little bit more, uh, stop out at the boards this morning and uh, get signed up with uh, the big splash. Well, we want to continue this, this series and talking about what it looks like when we do make a big splash and how to do that. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to use a good portion of Ephesians 4 so you can turn to it. But the key point this morning is this. Great success in the church requires maximum participation. When we see, what we will see in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, is that if we're going to make a great impact, a significant impact, if we want to make a, want to have a huge success in this church and through this church, it really is going to require everybody stepping in to do one part. You know, they always say, More hands lighten the load. Well, that's really true. And we're going to see that in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I want to give you a little bit of context, and then we'll jump into the text. Paul, the apostle, is writing to the church in Ephesus about unity. He's talking about how important it is to have unity in the body of Christ and how to protect it. The body of Christ is the church. And this is what he writes in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 1 through 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul directs us to live our lives like we're worthy of the calling that he has given to us, that God has given to us. His point is this, live like you're part of the family of God, that you represent it. You're an ambassador of the kingdom. Look like you represent God himself. Live that way. And then he says, make sure your actions reflect Jesus. God God has a purpose for every person's life. And Paul is saying that when you live out that purpose... Do so in a way that models Jesus. Live like you represent him. There are character qualities we read in verse 2. Look, look, go back to verse 2 in verse 3. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. These are character qualities of of a God follower, of a Christ follower. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul says, live like this, representing the kingdom of God. He goes on, skipping down to verses 11 through 13. Look what he says. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God has given the church leaders in order to equip God's people for service, to grow in unity, and to grow in the knowledge of of Jesus so that we might grow to become spiritually mature. We're a work in progress, surely. None of us have arrived. None of us should walk around here going, hey, you know what, I am really, truthfully, God's gift to the lost. (laughs) 
And if you do feel that way, check yourself because you are overstating your purpose and your value. All of us have areas where we need to grow, myself included. Recognizing this, that even though you're a work in progress, God has given you leaders to help equip you for the purposes that you need to grow in. Well, Paul continues in verses 14 through 16, and I won't, this is where I want us to kind of spend the bulk of our time this morning. Look what he says. Then we will no longer be infants. He's talking about spiritually immature people. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He's talking about false teachings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, you should circle that, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What Paul says here is there are some real aspects of you and your involvement that are almost essential. I mean, if you don't show up, the, the work will go on, but... Paul's pointing out that all of your involvement matters. All of it. Your involvement, it matters. Not in the sense that everything will shut down if you don't show up, but that if we really want to make the biggest splash possible, far beyond just Liberia, if we really want to make a huge splash, then it's going to take all of us. So in the course of what we have this morning, I want us to take a look at several aspects of why all of our involvement matters. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to all of us. The first aspect is this. Every believer matters in the body of Christ. I mean, the basic of basics is that every single believer matters in the body of Christ. Paul uses the pronoun we at the very beginning of verse 14. He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He says we, and the idea here is that every Christian is included in that. If you're a Christ follower, he's talking about you. Not just the superstars in the faith. He's talking about every single believer. Every follower of Jesus counts The idea that there is every Christian is included is important to note because some people look around and they go, wow, this is a big place. They don't need me. But the truth is, it's not about so much needing you. It's about you are valued. You matter. If you're a Christian, then you are part of a grow, you are part of growing the faith. You are part of defending it and standing for the truth. Think about it. On a team, If a player missed a block, oftentimes a teammate pays a price, don't they? Which emphasizes the fact that every member of that team is vitally important. In a family, when a person passes away, they leave a void. There's an empty chair at every important dinner from that point on. And that tells us that every member of the family matters. I saw this in my own life just a week ago. 
I was in Iowa visiting my family, and uh, my dad's twin brother, my uncle Hubert Wilkinson, passed away on Saturday night. And so on Sunday afternoon, we went down to visit, and uh, we spent about two hours with uh, my aunt and my cousins and several of my uncle's grandkids and other family members. And we just told stories for over two hours about my uncle, about my dad. They were identical twins, and they were both characters. And we laughed a lot, and then we cried some, and then we prayed together. Man, it was such a sweet moment. It was a powerful reminder that my uncle is a huge part of this family, Everybody matters. If a fam- in a family, you're more than a seat filler. You know that they do at award shows. If somebody gets up, they have somebody who's des- designated to go sit in that seat, and that's all they are, just a pretty face for the backdrop. But in a family, you're more than that. You're valued. You matter. You're known. And that is true for every Christian as well. You matter to this church family. I hope you never forget that. I hope you know that you matter to this place. Probably one of the best examples of how this works happened and our, uh, through our Guatemala team. There's a few pictures here of the team. It's pretty good size. About 30 people, I think, went to Guatemala a few weeks ago. And they, when we realize that everyone matters, that you matter, this team, when everybody on the team recognizes that, the team functions with more energy There's more validity to the mission that they have. And ultimately, they're going to accomplish far more than they would have ever thought had they all came in thinking, you know, they don't really need me. Every believer matters in the body of Christ. Well, there's a second aspect of why all of our involvement matters. And, that, and this has to do with how we treat one another. Paul, Paul puts this right in the center of the text we're looking at. In verse 15, he says, every believer should talk nice. We should talk nice. Note that the emphasis Paul puts on love here. He says, speaking the truth, how? In love. Love is the circulatory system of the church. If it's not working, the church doesn't work. It's been discovered that babies who are isolated and neglected do not grow properly. Have you heard this? Especially, they're especially susceptible to disease because of the neglect that they've experienced in their lives. While babies who are loved and nurtured grow normally and oftentimes are even stronger. Neglect and abuse will damage a body, but love has a powerful influence. Often I read messages online, and sometimes I'm surprised at what some people will write. You understand what I'm saying. I wonder if that person realized how hurtful that their words were. I wonder if that person they were conversing with or debating or arguing with we're standing right in front of them, if they would have the same courage to say the same things that they wrote in that post. Can I encourage you, in any manner of communication that you use, as you use it, speak with love. Remember who you represent. Speak with love. Jesus said in Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 34, at the end of that verse, he says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So if you routinely find yourself saying or posting things that hurt others, then you probably need to do some heart surgery. And I want to encourage you to start today by asking God to change your heart. Make that your prayer every day. God, change my heart. And then begin filling your heart daily with the word of God. If you want to counteract an unhealthy heart, you need to put some good stuff into it. So start consuming the word of God, the Bible. This will help to change your heart so it doesn't overflow with hurtful words. Instead, it will overflow with the love of God. Love is powerful. And we should speak lovingly to one another in order to work together most effectively. And when you speak to others in unloving ways, it's hurtful and it damages the effectiveness of our mission. But when you love, you bless them. You bless them deeply. And that will strengthen our mission. Well, there's another aspect that Paul points out that our involvement truly matters. And that is that every believer can be connected and should be connected to the body. Paul explains the whole function of the church by using an analogy of the physical body. Bones, ligaments, muscles, joints, and mutual working parts, all enabling a body to grow and function in harmony. Paul says in verse 16, he says, from him, he's referring to Jesus, Jesus is the body's head. We read that in verse 15. He's the body's head, and he provides leadership for the church. And Paul here lays out the goal that all members of the church work together. We need to be connected. No part can operate, much less survive, without a vital, healthy connection to the rest of the body. Last week, David talked about spiritual gifts. God has wired you with the, by the Holy Spirit for ministry and for service through these gifts. And this just shows that you're a key part of God's plan. You have a role in the church body. Well, Paul continues, he says that we're joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And when he says this, Paul points out the influence when he's talking about ligament. Most scholars believe he's talking about spiritual leaders. When the ligaments are properly functioning, when the leaders are properly functioning among the members of the body, the body has support. It's held together. These ligaments most likely are those he referred to back in verses 11 through 13. Let me read this one more time for you. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You could see this support there. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. These leaders help connect believers. Paul says they're joined and held together. They connect believers to one another. And as all the parts work together, the body continues to build itself up in love. It achieves growth and it accomplishes the mission. Paul puts all the verbs in this verse in the present tense, which is important because that emphasizes these are ongoing actions. This means that all the members of the body of Christ have an ongoing role to play. None of us 
None of us in what we do will amount to much of anything unless we're connected to the body, unless we're connected to the church under the leadership of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What stood out to me several months ago when, we were put, when I was putting this series together was the last phrase in verse 16. Paul says this, as each part does its work. Now, he's talking about the body of Christ here, right? And he says, as each part does its work, we all have a part to play. Paul points out another aspect of why my involvement and your involvement is so important, why it matters, and that is that every believer has an important part to play. We all have a part to play. And the body of Christ works best when we all do our part. It works best when we have maximum participation. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what a linchpin is? A linchpin? You know, I, I did some research on this and found that a linchpin actually is a pin that fits into the end of an axle that holds a wheel in place. That was the original meaning. But a more contemporary definition of a linchpin is a person or an organ or, or a thing that is vital to an enterprise or an organization. And I started thinking about people in my life who are linchpin people. Do you have people like that? That truthfully, you could say on a regular basis, none of this would have happened without you. We have, I have a number of people like that in my life, but on our staff, there is one lady. Her name is Jessica Pasley. She is a linchpin for me. She is my administrative assistant, and without her, I probably would only accomplish somewhere between a third or, or half of what I get accomplished. She is vital to me, being a success in almost everything that I do. But she doesn't just support me. She supports Steve Smith, David Green, Josh Knable, and Micah Pace. The truth is that our entire staff, if you were to ask them, they would tell you that Jessica is a linchpin to this whole operation. In every member, I started to think, what would it be like if that guy wasn't here? Or what, if, what would it be like if she wasn't here? And then I started to realize that every member of our team really is a linchpin in their own way. The reality is that every member of the body of Christ is a linchpin kind of person, if you think about it. That's what Paul is saying when he says, as each part does its work. All of this happens. All that we read in verses 14 and 15 and then into 16, all of that happens as each part does its work. The church never functions at its maximum potential unless everyone is doing his or her part. Oftentimes when a team wins a championship or they win a big game, you'll see an interview with a sportscaster or a sports reporter, and they're interviewing the star of the team and it's interesting how a lot of times they will deflect attention from themselves and say, this was a team effort. I couldn't have done it without my teammates. We were all working on this together. You see this also at things like the Academy Awards where the winner will thank a list of people. They literally will pull out of their tux a list of people and they just start naming them, right? Because they want to make sure that everybody is 
recognized, who was instrumental in making this film a success. Everyone matters. And the winners want to make sure that they get people involved in experiencing the joy of getting credit. You know, when we make a big splash together and everyone does their part, it's a huge impact. This is proof. Uh, I'm going to show you something. This is proof of what I'm talking about this morning. I hope I can talk about this. Two years ago, we set out on a uh, quest through the Adoptiverse uh, program. Some of you remember it. We had the big boards in the lobby. People signed up, sponsored verses. And uh, we, we generated over uh, $32,000 to produce the Gospel of John in a language that did not have the Bible. And uh, these came just a few weeks ago. This is a copy of the Gospel of John in what is known as the Chitwan Taru dialect. There, was, there were people who did not have the gospel, and now they have the gospel of John in their own heart language because this place linked arms together and said, we're not going to stand for that, and this is a reality. Now, I'm going to leave this up here if you want to come up and see it afterwards. I can't tell you any of it. I can't even point to chapter 3. But you come up, and it's kind of cool. And I know that there are people who are reading that now as a result of your investment just two years ago. But what happens when someone doesn't do their part? When other people have to try to perform roles normally handled by others, two things will happen. First, those people have to leave their own important responsibilities so it doesn't get the attention that it needs. And secondly, they usually perform less efficiently in the new role because they aren't as well equipped. Every believer has an important part to play. Don't ever think that you're less than anyone else around here because without you, we are less. And when you don't participate, I want you to know you're missed. Not just around here, but I think even in the, in the heavens above. Well, there's one additional aspect of why our involvement matters. And it's found in Matthew, the fifth chapter. And I, I want to encourage you, if you will, just do me a, 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 your, give me your uh, favor and jump over to Matthew 5, verses 14 and following. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is so important that I wanted to make sure that we added it to our list. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses two metaphors. First, he talks about a a town that is built on a hill. You can't hide it, he says. The idea here is that even for miles and miles away, you can see this this town. And then the second metaphor that he uses is a lamp that was used to light the inside of a home. Before electricity, people would light these oil lamps and they would put them on a lamp stand to illuminate the room. It would be foolish to think that someone would light a lamp like that and then put it under a bowl or under a basket. The point of the lighting the lamp would be to light up the room. And when Jesus makes the point, his point here, 
He does it in the next verse, verse 16. Listen to what he says. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is telling his disciples to light up the room with the way that they live their lives. Paul Paul said, live like you have this certain calling in your life. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Live in a way that lights up the room. Disciples, let your light shine by modeling the values and the priorities of the kingdom of God as Jesus has taught us. In contrast, there are people who will do works before people, works of service, to call attention to themselves. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse one. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So what's the, what's the aspect here? The final aspect of what, that all of our involvement matters is that Jesus wants us to see our good works as a way to glorify God. So let people see your good deeds. Keep in mind, doing this may cause criticism, ridicule. It even possibly could bring about persecution. But that's not a reason for hiding the light others may see. And when they see it, the result will be that they will glorify God. And that will be because of what you did. Glorifying God is a disciple's only motive Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 12. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Our witness, it includes both what we say and what we do. And a key point in all of this is that a good word without a good walk is of no value. Never forget, glorifying God is our greatest success. And when we do our part, others may see it, and as a result, they glorify God. Great success in the church is glorifying God, and that will require maximum participation. I want to close with a story about my, a friend of mine from Bible College. His name is Dave Stone. Some of you are probably familiar with Dave Stone. He's the senior pastor at Southeast Christian in Louisville, one of the great churches in America today. But at this time, Dave was the youth minister at Shively Christian in the Louisville area. And the youth group there at Shively that Dave worked with was really competitive, especially with one of their neighbor churches, Shively Baptist Church, especially in the area of softball. But they were also really passionate about their walk with God. And one week, the Bible lesson was Jesus washing the disciples' feet from John 13. And to make the servanthood lesson kind of stick with the students, Dave divided all the kids in the youth group into five groups. And he told them, go out and find a practical way to be servants to other people. I want you to be Jesus in the city for the next two hours, he told him. If Jesus were here, what would he do? Figure out how he would help people. And so for two hours, they went and did this. And then they came back to report on what they had done. 
One group had done two hours of yard work for an elderly man. Another group had bought ice cream treats and gone and delivered them to several widows in the church. A third group had gone, visited a church member who was in the hospital and gave him a card to encourage him. And another group went to a nursing home and sang Christmas carols. Yes, Christmas carols in the middle of August. To which one of the older residents said, This is the warmest Christmas I can ever remember. It's not right, it's not right to mess with old people, okay? But when the fifth group came and reported, everybody groaned because this group had gone to Shively Baptist Church and asked the preacher if he had someone in his church who needed some help. And he sent them to the home of an elderly woman who needed her yard work done. And for two hours, they mowed her grass, raked her leaves, and trimmed her hedges. And when they were getting ready to leave, this woman called all these kids together and she thanked them for their hard work. And she said this, I don't know how I could get along without you. You kids at Shively Baptist are always coming to my rescue. Shively Baptist, my friend Dave said, he, as he interrupted the, the presentation, he said, I hope you set that lady straight and told her you were from Shively Christian. To which this adolescent who was making the presentation looked at Dave and says, we didn't think that mattered. <laughs> my friend Dave said, it didn't. You know, what a brilliant, they got it. They got it because it didn't matter. It didn't matter, and it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who gets credit. Actually, God's the one that should be getting the credit. As long as we serve and he is glorified, that's all that should matter. You see, when we join together, we can make a big splash, not just in Liberia, but every single week around here. We can make a big splash. We can make a significant impact in the lives of others. And when we do that, And God gets the glory. That, my friends, that is what we're about. That is truly success. Let's pray. Oh, God, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for reminding us today that every single one of us matter. I thank you, God, that each part of the body, when it does its work, when we're supported by leadership, we're equipping us, when we're building each other up in love, this is one of those amazing things. God, help us. Help us to build each other up like that. Help every, fo- every follower of Jesus who's here today realize that they matter. All of us have an important part to play. Never let us believe anything else. But God, let us not think so highly of ourselves that we see ourselves better than anyone else. Lord, I pray this morning, as we close this message, that everything that we do would be done in such a way that it would bring glory to you. Help us to live our lives as representatives of yours and that people will glorify you because of what they see through us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.